Becoming your strongest financial self? Good plan. Northwestern Mutual's Guide to Good Financial Planning can help you balance spending and saving, set goals, and start creating the life you want to be living. Get it today at northwesternmutual.com slash good plan. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Maps. Now, Onyx is more than just hunting. It is also fishing. And one way that you can use Onyx in the boat or from the shore is mark waypoints where maybe you found some underground structure or a day that the fish were stacked in there biting really well or when the water is low, you see some structure, you mark it, and when the water comes back up, you know where the fish are. This also has the ability to use the mapping option even when there is not any 4G, 3G service. You can save a map and you can use the GPS function on your phone to move you across the map, find your favorite spots on the water, and then come back to them another day. If you want to find out more information about Onyx Maps, visit onyxmaps.com and use the discount code NATION20, N-A-T-I-O-N-20, and save 20% off your initial purchase. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to 2020. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, yeah, I took a little break there around the holidays and really just focused on spending time with family and kind of stepping away from work for a little bit and things like that. Just to kind of reset the brain, refresh my mind, and make sure that I'm ready for 2020 and everything that it has to throw at me. But as promised, we have the winner of the 35-inch panhandler from uh, Ice Rod from JT Outdoor Products. Remember, with that uh, built-in tapered night and all spring bobber built right into the blank. And if you submitted your topic via email or you DM me on Instagram or on Facebook or something like that, I wrote down uh, not only your topic to maybe discuss in 2020, but I also wrote down your name and I threw all those in a hat. And I had my five-year-old daughter kind of reach up and pull out a name. And the winner of that 
amazing ice rod is going to be Terry Stapler of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Congratulations, Terry. Uh, DM me, buddy, and I will make sure that we get the details down um, to get you that ice rod. So I want to say thank you to everyone who submitted a, a topic and or um, question and just engaging with the podcast. I appreciate you all. I will be doing this again in the spring, summer, and fall um, to keep everyone engaged and uh, give away some great products. All right. On today's episode, I am joined by Joe Testa of Freshwater Therapy. Uh, Joe has a guiding business that he does out of northern Michigan uh, up in the northwest corner on some lakes and then um, also over uh, in New York on Lake George and it's cool because this is a great BS session between me and him where we kind of just go through tactics of what's worked for us. I'm very familiar with um, Lake Leelanau um, that he guides on up in northern Michigan and we kind of talk back and forth about what worked for us, what tactics we're using and uh, how the the two lakes differ in the two different states. So welcome Joe and uh, here we go. Let's get into this episode. What's up man? Well, thanks for uh, making this happen. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, I'm glad we could connect. You're a busy man all over the place, eh? Yeah, but just in that season, I'm, I think it's going to get a little bit less crazy now. My life is going to become a little bit more routine here. Uh, you guys just driving around for the holidays or what? Yeah, well, I, I mean, my full-time job is I'm a, I work as a pastor at Michigan State, not not for the university, but with a local church. And, and so... Um, I do the guiding thing. Uh, I do have some things on campus that I do like that are connected with fishing. I work with the uh, fishing club on campus just as a volunteer as their faculty advisor. And then, um, you know, I do have some things going on, you know, with different fishing shows where I go and help with just some of the companies I represent. But um, this is a little slower season for me. I don't do as much ice fishing guiding primarily because of liability um, costs. Um, So, now, um, when we did some ice fishing too, we had a lot of fun. I actually fished Leelanau, believe it or not, already on the ice, and and uh, it was a good time. And I heard they had ice at like the north side of South Lake Leelanau. Is that right? Cause that, yeah, because South, South Bay is still like sketchy. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that was safe, but I we went out and fished the kettles and crossed from the RV park there on the northern part, and it was it was pretty fun. I mean, we caught fish, which was fun, and um. You know, I, I just thought it was a treat to go out on Lake Leland and not have 12 inches of snow you had to walk through. So, <laughs> Yeah, we were up there um, just for vacationing, and I had a business meeting up there as well. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah, and I noticed, uh, yeah, they didn't have much snow. Like last year at this time when I lived up there, we had like 28 inches on the ground or something like that. Is that right? Yeah. That's great. But uh, all right, well, cool. Hey, um, well, it's just so if folks don't know, you just kind of introduce yourself, and then sure. we'll, we'll get into uh, a little bit just how you uh, grew up fishing. Yeah, my name is Joe Testa. I, um, I've been a professional fishing guide for over 10 years. I guide in Michigan on inland lakes. I don't have my captain's license, but that's kind of been purposeful because I really don't have any more time to guide. And then I also guide as uh, a part of what I do out in upstate New York on a lake called Lake George. Um, I love what I do. I love the chance to um, to teach people how to fish and have a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, a lot of fishing is actually a lot more than just the uh the pursuit of catching fish it's a lot of it's about relationship and about you know just people learning things that they've never learned before and kids connecting with parents and dads and you know and kind of taking some of the pressure off of the parents to just you know let them enjoy being on a boat and put all the burden of 
trying to help their kids on myself and my son. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's, I, I also, like I mentioned earlier, I, I do, uh, I, I'm also a pastor, so I, I really enjoy uh, helping people. I'm, I've been a pretty serious Christian for about 25 years. And, um, um, you know, I just feel like that's, uh, part of the blessing of, of what God's given us is just the, uh, um, the beauty of creation and kind of exploring and learning and growing. And so, so did you grow up fishing, um, between, yeah. the, between those two lakes? Uh, cause I'm just curious of why you're, you know, you fish in obviously Northern Michigan, but then all the way over in New York, it's kind of unique. Well, I didn't grow up fishing in Michigan. I grew up in Illinois. Honestly, I lived in Illinois until I was 30 and then I moved to Michigan. Um, I run a, a Christian leadership program out in upstate New York in the summer for college students. And that's honestly why I even started going out there. And, um, and so when we were out there, I just thought, well, I just might as well get my guide license here as well and uh, expand the opportunity to, to do – I was paying a lot of money just to be in New York with my boat. And, and I, you know, it was interesting because I spend most of the summer – most of my time guiding in, in Michigan for walleyes. What I do out in New York is really very different. I, I mean, it's mostly smallmouth and largemouth bass and lake trout so a lot of the fishing i'm doing in new york is very different and but it's it's also deep water fishing i I mean i probably would have if you'd asked me 10 years ago if i would have ever been excited about fishing you know 30 to 50 feet of water for smallmouth i i probably would have been like i don't even know what that would be like um because most of the fishing i do in michigan is shallow anywhere between three and you know 20 feet of water i very rarely fish deeper than 20 feet, I would say on a, you know, uh, on a regular basis. But in New York, I mean, I fished 65 feet of water for smallmouth. Sometimes I've caught a smallmouth in a hundred feet of water before fishing for lake trout. So, um, I've just learned a lot about a whole bunch of things that I would never have learned. I think even just the ability to kind of do different things in the fishing world actually makes you a better fisherman overall. Cause you have to kind of think and adjust and adapt and try to constantly be learning and, and, I know evolving and just your understanding of what's going on in the underwater world. Well, I think it keeps us all sharp too, right? Like you said, yeah. uh, you know, going for different species and, you know, you get to see drastically different bodies of water in different areas of the country that you fish in and you guide in. But, you know, even in Northern Michigan, you know, I, I just think about how unique of a fishery it is in the Northwest corner versus anywhere else in the state. You've got all crystal clear lakes. Yep with kind of that limestone, you know, rocky bottom, like for instance, South Lake Leelanau. And, uh, you know, at, at one point I remember reading an article up there about folks didn't even think walleye existed in South Lake Leelanau after all the plan, you know, the planning that the DNR was doing and they hired, I forget the name of the pro that came in, but they hired a pro to come in and fish the, the lake for X amount of days for walleye. And he said that the, the, the fishery was very healthy, doing great. It's just folks need to get away from their traditional ways of how to catch them um, in that particular body of water. Oh, I'd agree. I'd even say in the last 12 years since I started fishing it, it has changed drastically, in my opinion. I mean, there's certain aspects of it that haven't changed, but there definitely are things that I've noticed that I feel like definitely there's been things that I – I think have changed. I actually think the fishery has gotten a lot, a lot more difficult in one sense, but I think the fish population is better than it's ever been. I agree. It's just, there's so many different, um, unique structures and different types of, uh, 
uh, you know, basins and sandy bottoms and weed edges and things like that in South Lake Leelanau and North Lake Leelanau for that matter, that you've got to just figure out where they're at that time of year and why they're there. That's the biggest right. thing is the why. Why are they there that time of year? And that's really what's helped me even in um, fishing in New York in the summer. It's helped me to think about like seasonal patterns and movements. And so I have had some mentors that have taught me a lot about Lake Leelanau and I'm grateful to them for the, um, the teaching that they've given me, the instruction they've given me. And, um, and so now a lot of it's just kind of nuancing things and trying, you know, just continually trying to figure some things out about, um, about that fishery. I will say it's interesting, like Lake Leelanau can be a real difficult lake, especially, um, you know, early in the year after the opener, um, especially when we get, when we have a cold spring, which a lot of times that, that lake takes a long time to warm up. Uh, I've, I've just struggled. I found, um, I found sometimes the walleyes be very difficult to catch early because they're not where I'm fishing is my theory. And that's what I've learned in general about being a guide is if you're not catching fish, you, you're, you're more than likely you're not on fish. And so you need to, you need to adjust what you're doing and try to figure out where are these fish. Cause you know, anybody you talk to will say that location is the most important question always with fish. You can't catch fish that aren't there. Right. Um, and and yeah. what are those fish doing like right after ice out? Typically, do you see where are they, where are they hugging? Are they in the shallows more kind of feet, you know, still putting on that feed bag and then waiting for those temperatures to warm back up or what? Well, I found fish, um, extremely shallow on Lake Leelanau. Yep. That's what I found as well early and um and then uh some some of those fish get pressured really um you know after the pressure comes a lot of times from locals up there um you know there is a little bit of a a lull for me i i can still find fish but i have to move a lot and um you know there are i can remember even just in the last just in my mind the last uh 10 years where I will have an amazing experience. We'll have a cold front and it sets everything back, um, which isn't that, that atypical um, when you're fishing, but uh, it's almost like it resets everything. Not just, re you know, not, it's not just a setback, but it's almost like a reset. And so I think a lot of what happens on Lake Leelanau, in my opinion, is that lake is very much dictated by the aquatic insect life. Yep. And those fish believe it or not, I think are feeding way more on wigglers than they are on anything else. Every once in a while, you will see them full of crayfish and, um, uh, and minnows, you know, perch, whatever, but you will find wigglers in those fish almost all year long now. And, uh, you know, they did a recent study. Um, I don't know if it's been a couple years now, but they, they said that Leelanau is one of the slowest walleye growth populations in the state of Michigan. And, the vast majority of those fish, it's, I think it's because they're just, they're eating wigglers. And, um, so I think there's a time when you're catching them on plastics and it feels like they're eating wigglers. Um, and so instead of them thumping the jig, they'll just sip it. They just suck it in. It's just a, it's, it's a, it's like they, I, I don't know. I kind of explain it any more clearly, but it's like, they're just coming up and grabbing a wiggler. So I'm trying to imitate a lot of times what I'm doing to be as soft and subtle as possible, still trying to get a reaction out of the fish a lot of times, but something where it's, um, 
it looks more similar to, to a wiggler than anything else. Right. If that makes sense. No, it, 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 it does. I mean, that's exactly how I describe them. I describe the fish as being very fickle and not as aggressive, um, you know, like you would down in, you know, like the, like a Lake Erie or a Saginaw Bay where they come in, they know what they want, right? They're just eating anything that kind of swims by them or is in front of their face that gets them to react. And, uh, you know, Lake Leelanau, like you said, is a slow growing lake for walleye. So a lot of the tactics and things like that, you know, I, I, my arsenal that's in my boat when I go out there is, you know, I'm either trolling, um, you know, stick baits or crank baits in the shallows, or, you know, even in the summertime, I'll throw on, um, you know, the Lindy rigs and then even, um, I'll cast out jigging wraps off the bottom and snap them all the way back to the boat. That's been very Mm. successful for me as well. Um, anything just to keep those, those fish's attention and, and, yeah. and, and, and to get a bite. But, you know, uh, what I want to get into a little bit is sure. what have you seen from the two different bodies of waters that you fished? What piqued my interest in what you just talked about there a little bit is how you were catching smallmouth in such deep, um, water over at Lake George. Can you yeah. describe both pieces of water, um, to begin with? Like, is it, you know, there are, you know, is Lake George like crystal clear, rocky bottom, or is it similar to South Lake Leland? I'm just how you fish those two. Very different bodies of water. So Lake George has got about 200 feet of depth. It's, you can see down 30 feet. Um, it, it, um, believe it or not, used to be even clearer, but they believe that the, some of the nitrate and, um, some of the different kind of chemicals and fertilizers are leaching into the water and kind of creating a little bit less visibility than you know if you went back 20 years ago but um um it's it's got it's a cold water and a warm water fishery combined so you've got a trout population and you've got a bass uh largemouth smallmouth you've got a really good perch population uh there's you know some big bluegills i don't think they would be considered bluegills they're kind of a they're some sort of sunfish and um and then like lake leelanau south lake leelanau is I is I, find, I think of it as a rather shallow fishery. Although you do have the South Basin, where you've got you know sixty five feet of water, whatever seventy feet of water, and um, but a lot of times when I'm on Lake Leelanau, I'm usually fishing somewhere you know within the vicinity of of the weed edge. I'm primarily targeting either the inside edge, or I'm targeting the outside edge, or maybe even just off into the mud, you know, five feet deeper than the than the edge. Um, there's a, there's a ton that I don't know about Lake Leelanau though. And I know that. And that's, that's part of the fun for me of fishing is like, just thinking about like, I want to learn so much more about that lake. And, um, the more time you put in, uh, the more that you're going to find those, you know, some of those techniques, like you mentioned the jigging rafts, like I have caught fish on jigging rafts, but I haven't spent the time out in 40 feet of water throwing those things, um, just to see and, and experience a lot of success with that. So, but like, um, uh, so that gives a little bit of background about Lake Leelanau versus Lake George. Obviously walleyes, I do love catching smallmouth on Lake Leelanau. Most of the time I'm not targeting them. I'm, I'm catching them incidentally with the walleyes, but, um, uh, you know, Lake George is a lake that doesn't get a lot of pressure. I, um, it's got a ton of offshore structure too. Lake Leelanau has very little offshore structure. Um, and so I think in terms a lot of like when I'm fishing a summer pattern, I'm thinking of offshore structure and that's primarily what I do on Lake George. I fish probably within a six mile radius of where I live there. I probably have um, 40 or 50 different humps that I fish 
the humps come out of 100 feet of water. Some of them come up as far as 9, nine or 11 feet, you know, from the surface. Um, they're massive structures. And, and so I spend a lot of time drop shotting out there. One of the things I've kind of – one of my favorite ways to fish for smallmouth now is fishing with hair jigs. I absolutely love hair jig fishing. Um, we just lit them. We've been lighting them up the last couple of years and we let everything go. I mean, um, but that's one thing I have not done yet. I've not caught a walleye on a hair jig. Um, and when I think of hair jigs, I'm mostly talking about marabou, um, hair okay. uh, on a eighth ounce or a, a quarter ounce jig head. It's very simple. Like these jig heads, I'm, I tie most of my own now, but, um, VMC makes the dominator and that's the one I pattern off of. The dominator is, um, is like a one ot or a two ot jig head with just a bunch of marabou on it and a little bit of flashaboo on it. And um, so, uh, you know, um, so I could walk through, like in my mind, the the seasonal movement of what happens on Lake George because I've just spent so much time on it. The same thing is probably you could say is, it would be true of Lake Leelanau. There's a seasonal pattern that you want to move through. And um, quite honestly, I'm not a troller, so when those walleyes are setting up in the South Basin as the summer pattern progresses, I don't spend much time on Lake Leelanau at all. I'm actually in a different part of the country. But when they move back, if there is a movement that happens, and, and you probably know this as well, that sometime around the first couple weeks of August, it's like magical. Somebody snaps a finger, and those basin fish are gone. Right. And they're, they move back into the weeds, which – I don't know why they do that. I mean, I'm assuming they have, I mean, the bait moves and that's, but a lot of times it's not triggered by like a major temperature swing. It's just, it just happens. Do you, um, so when I was living up there and what I kind of understood when I was, when that time of the year came around, the wind, yeah. the winds really started to pick up. So uh, in my mind, I feel like those windswept sides were blowing that bait and that kind of, Interesting. nutrients in the water around more in August when the winds would pick up getting into September. And that's when you would try, start to find those fish kind of migrating towards those windswept sides. And that's what I started to follow was the windswept sides in the weeds. So the, they would, that's, you know, like you were saying, like find that weed edge and just kind of hang out right on that weed edge. And a lot of the times what I would do, um, I know a lot of guys like to do this too. And it's a fun way actually too, for kids um, if you got kids in your boat, is slip bobbering like right? Oh, at, I love slip bobbering. Yeah. yeah, just as the sun's starting to go down, probably that last hour and a half of sunlight. If you can anchor off and then cast, you know, with the wind, uh, where right where the 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 weeds kind of meet the sandy base and bottom or whatever it is, and just kind of sit there and watch those bobbers go under. I mean, the walleye come out and smoke those, and usually most of the time, I'm tipping those with uh, you know like leeches or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm be honest i mean that's really interesting that you do that too that's my favorite leech um my favorite bite for for the um slip bobbers is the leech bite and i i pretty much typically say like you know it, it's kind of like the dog days of summer it's usually like water temperature still in uh you know anywhere between 75 and then even as it cools off into september i'll use leeches all the way up until about 60 degree water temperature 58 and I've had just some incredible, even up into October, you can't even buy leeches anymore um, up at that, in that area. Um, I think they actually do, might, they might still have leeches there, but I usually end up buying um, a little bit bigger leech that I like to have than just the little panfish leeches. Um, that's fascinating, though. Yeah, I, 
a slip bobber bite has been a, a has rescued me many a time. Yeah, the one thing is, yeah, if, if you can pay attention to that wind, just from me, kind of trial and error up there. I mean, listen, I've been on that lake many times and gotten skunked, and you know, it's a it's a head scratcher and things like that. It took me a long time to come up with the program throughout the different times of year to be successful on that lake. Um, but you know, it it's it's weird that you say that you know you're out there fishing a clear body of water like Lake George because. A lot of folks listening to this, if they're not familiar with uh, Lake Leelanau, but it has a north side to it too. Yeah. And that's where you find, you can find those big walleye, you can find huge smallmouth and actually lake trout as well. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like a parallel there, you know what I mean? A very, it really is. You know, between you fishing Lake George and fishing, you know, if you were to fish more of North Lake Leelanau. And uh, how, here's a question. You said that you were catching those smallmouth 60 to 70 feet down. Are you still tossing hair jigs and just letting them sink all the way to the bottom on those? Or how do you get them down to those smallmouth that deep? No, I'm usually using a drop shot. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um, and, and some of those, honestly, I, I, I try not to catch fish out of that deep of water. But the smallmouth, I have never had an issue letting them go out in New York. I don't know why it is. I don't ever see their air bladders exploding like I, you know, like I hear about happening in other places. I think that's probably because we're not putting them in the live hole. We're just putting them back, and they just swim back down to the depths. Um, but like uh, a lot of the most of the drop, the, the drop shot fishing we do, or the hair jig stuff we do, is is going to be on a, a, se- a series of humps again that are somewhere in that twenty-five to forty-five feet of water. Um, there are some areas that slide off those humps that I have caught fish out in even deeper water than that. But typically I'm going to be more in that 25 to 40, but you know, again, I've always, it is one of those things, you know, that, um, I'm kind of amazed at how, uh, certain areas like last summer, there were certain areas on Lake George that just produced fish for so long. And, I think there was just really good bait that stayed in those areas for a long, long time and um, uh, a lot longer than I've experienced in past summers. But even every, like I said, every summer I'm learning something new. Like I had a tremendous jerk bait and topwater bite and uh, I'm fishing again, topwater baits in, you know, 35, 40 feet of water and the fish are coming up. A lot of them are suspended fish, um, but I'm catching fish on jerk baits over that deep water. Um, and I'm watching, I can see the fish. I know I can see them on my electronics, but then I can visually see them chasing my baits in too. And I, we just had an amazing summer last summer where we caught tons and tons of fish on, on that, those types of presentations. So it was a learning summer for me. Like I, I've done it, you know, I've done some of that, those types of presentations in past summers, but you know, a lot of guys that fish for bass will say, you know, a, a jerk bait's a cold water bait. Well, we was 75 degrees water temperature last year and we were still killing them on jerk baits. And anytime I saw suspended fish, I just threw a jerk baits. Um, well, you got to imagine too, with it being a clear lake like that, those suspended oh, fish, 35, 40 feet down, it's cold yeah. down there. Yeah. You know what I they mean? see a long way too. I mean, I thought that's where you were going, but yeah, it's no, no, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm I mean, those lakes, like, again i'm comparing your lake george to like the northern northwest lower peninsula lakes even though they're they're clear like you said they can see those baits up there but those waters are cold you know i mean it takes a long time for those those waters to warm up totally yeah and i got a quick story on that if i don't mind me no yeah go so i have a friend that's a a dives out in um on lake george and and we were talking and uh, he said man he said you know like 
there's a thermal client that's set up in oh did i lose you there no i'm here okay he said there's a thermal client that sets up right now that that was this was a uh, you know maybe uh late june in 22 feet of water and he said i've never seen a thermal client that shallow before and so what a thermal client is is basically it's um you know the water stratifies and so you've got cold water that doesn't have as much oxygen um beneath the thermal client and then above the thermal client you have you have oxygenated water and then within the thermal client there's you know that's where the temperature changes cha- happen so it'll go from like 65 degree water temperature down to 45 degrees and the smallmouth when they're in 45 degree water they're pretty much they're like almost um you know they're very docile they they end up um almost hibernating i mean you know in a sense and so they want to be in that warmer water they're not going to live beneath that but and i was looking at my electronics and i would always see fish in that 22 feet you know or above um and so over the course of the season that thermal client flattens out and goes deeper but uh it was a real learning experience for me like you know i was actually even watching on my um my underwater camera that I, when I was fishing beneath that 22 feet of water, I had fish coming from up above, coming down to feed. And you could see that happening constantly. And I think they go maybe beneath the thermocline to eat and then they get back up above the thermocline. So I just, that's my, again, that's for me, that's been the most ex- wonderful part of the fishing is I just love the, the learning and the, the experiencing those kinds of things is I'm like, holy cow. You know, like I'm watching these fish on this camera go down to feed consistently on a, like a hair jig or whatever I was using. Um, and, you know, we're just like, I just think that's one of the most interesting things, just kind of trying to kind of connect the dots or put the puzzle pieces together, you know? Right. Um, so I, that's interesting to use a camera too, because I do the same thing. And a lot of folks, a lot of times, with like if you're exploring a body of water that just has you stumped, and you have an underwater camera for ice fishing and you're, you should bring that out in open water to yeah. see what's going on underneath your boat because your fish sonar can only tell you so much, but you know, sometimes a lot of times of, of, of exploring a new body of water is just putting in the time and the research and not casting, right? Don't put, you almost got to figure out what's going on. So that way you can start guessing about what program to throw together to go after the fish and a lot of times, you know, when I explore new bodies of water, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure out where the fish are at, why they're there. Again, you know, getting back to what I was talking about earlier, why. Yeah. And, uh, you know, things like an underwater camera that you might pack away after ice season, don't put it away just yet. Kind of keep it handy because if there's a lake that has you stumped or a structure, or you, you want to know why the fish are hanging by it, drop that camera down there because it's going to show you to, and tell you a lot. I've got a buddy that he'll go around. And when he's learning a body of water, he won't even take a rod. He'll just take his underwater camera. And, you know, he's learned a ton about his electronics from that, too, because he's he's comparing what he sees on his electronics with what he sees on his camera. And sometimes he thinks these are all walleyes, and he looks on the camera, and they're all suckers. Oh. You know? And uh, he fishes Leelanau a lot, too, and he's learned a lot about that lake. And, again, you know, we, we compare notes, and uh, he – he knows a lot of things that I don't know. And that just, um, it's pretty humbling, you know, just to think like I spent a lot of time on that body of water and there's a lot of things that I could, <laughs> I'm going to learn hopefully over the next, uh, you know, 10 years. Uh, so do you chase uh, lake trout out there at Lake George too? I do. Yeah. This, um, yeah. How do you typically go after those, uh, those big boys? 
almost all vertical jigging. Yeah. Jigging uh, plastics with uh, jig heads or um, or using spoons, vertical jigging. Um, uh, this last year, I actually, again, with that thermocline where it was, I had I caught a lot of lake trout um, when I was fishing for smallmouth. And they would come up and that, that water temperature was still favorable. We'd be on those humps. And um, they would come up and feed on my hair jig. I caught, I don't know, I must have caught at least you know, eight or 10 of them doing that. And, um, I caught a number of them actually reeling my hair jig up off the bottom and they just shoot up off the bottom and feed on it. They just, you know, just grab it. And, um, so, uh, are you tipping those hair jigs with anything, any live bait or soft plastic or anything? Nope. And if you, if you really want to learn how to fish a hair jig, I mean, there's a lot of good guys out there that I've tried to learn as much as I can from, uh, Seth fighter is one of my favorites. He, anything he puts out there, I read or I watch, um, and, um, but what I've learned with the, the, the hair jig, especially if you're fishing for smallmouth, is a lot of times you, you don't overwork it. You know, when he fishes, when Seth, the way he throws a hair jig, he casts it out and he just slowly reels it back in. Doesn't put any movement on it. I do. I like to put a little bit of movement to it and I'll fish him vertical. I'll cast them. Uh, I'll fish them suspended. If I'm marking smallmouth suspended, I will raise that bait above the fish and it's just like ice fishing. They'll come up and eat it. In fact, I've, Garmin's one of my sponsors, and I, I use Panoptics uh, Live Scope. I use it through the ice, but I use it open water, too. And uh, we play the video game with smallmouth there, too. We can get them to come up off the bottom. My son was catching smallmouth that would come up 15 feet to hear, hit a hair jig. And um, pretty fun. You learn a lot. I think that's, again, that's what electronics gives you. It doesn't just let you catch fish. It teaches you how to fish. Right. You know? <clears throat> Yeah, I noticed that your son goes out with you and charters with you, huh? Yeah, Micah. Well, he he spent a lot more time doing that before he started working uh, full time um, in some of these different things. But he's an amazing fisherman, and I tell you, I've learned a ton from him. He experiments a lot. I don't know if it's partly I think it's because he gets bored catching fish. So he's like, "What what if I do this? What if I do that?" And it's paid off on Lake Leelanau. We have learned so many things, um, uh, especially trying to connect the crayfish bite with the walleyes on Leelanau, um, that would be something that you could have a whole program talking about is the, the, the predator prey relationship between a, a walleye and a crayfish or a perch and a crayfish for that matter, or a, a smallmouth and a crayfish. But you know, Leelanau is full of crayfish. I mean, you put your camera down and you'll see tons and tons of crayfish. I mean, just crayfish, we would even trap crayfish, uh, for fun when, uh, we would stay at some of the resorts on Lake Leelanau and, um, it was unbelievable how many crayfish would come in those traps. It's got to be interesting. And, uh, you know, like you said, to, to look over on the other side of the boat and, you know, here you're, like you said, your son's teaching you a thing or two and just to have that curious mind. Right. I mean, some of oh, us, yeah. you know, when we're, when we get a little bit older, we're kind of set in our ways or we just think we know, you know, what the fish want and, or, you know, this is what's got to work. And then you look over and you see it. Cause I'll, I'll do the same thing sometimes if I fish with like my little cousin or something like that, he throws out this monster lure. I'm like, no way is he going to catch something on that? You know, and sure, sure as, you know, he's reeling in the, a huge pike or something like that. And it's just like, wow, I would never have thought to throw that. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I think you're right though, Lee. I think you mentioned this earlier in this program, but a lot of, um, a lot of people just get set in their ways and I can even see myself doing that at times. Yeah. And, you know, I have tons of different kinds of plastics in the boat, but I tend to lean toward the same ones that I've always used that have always been successful. What, what, what is it? What are the chances that one of these other types of plastics might not yield better results than something else I've used in the past? 
um, you know, I, I just, I mean, I spent a lot of time, uh, watching different YouTube, uh, shows or, or channels with, um, guys that fish. And I just try to glean as much as I can. I watch saltwater stuff. I watch freshwater stuff. Um, I'm looking more for instructional stuff than entertainment. And, uh, it's really, unfortunately, there's not that much great stuff out there and, um, a lot more entertainment than there is educational stuff. Um, but there is some really good stuff. And, you know, when I find something, I'm like, Ooh, that would work in these different environments. I, I'm all, I'm all about trying to buy it and and try it. So. No, absolutely. I mean, you're right. We're, we should never stop learning and we shouldn't be fishing on memories either. Right. That's the biggest, that's the biggest thing that can get us in trouble as anglers. And, you know, especially the guys who don't get to spend as much, um, um, Mm -hmm. time on the water. Like maybe like, like you have the opportunity to do, we have, a limited amount of time. We want to hurry up and get on the lake. Um, you know, maybe we only have three hours to fish before we got to get home and help the kids, you know, get to sleep or whatever it is. And we just want to get out there and, and fish the way on memories that we, we think we know will hurry up and produce fish. But a lot of the times that can get you in trouble. So anytime that, that I mean, that's why this podcast exists. And that's why there's other podcasts out there. It's like, you know what, if I'm not fishing or if I'm not on the water, I might as well be learning out you know, learning how other guys do it or guys and gals are out there fishing and what tactics work for them. And that's why, you know, someone like you on the podcast to share, you know, like your hair jig stories and things like that. Some folks might not have thought of that before. Well, you know, one of the things I haven't done enough of is I haven't fished that early season um, walleye bite on Leelanau. We're talking like, you know, openers the last weekend in September, or last Saturday in September, or I'm sorry, last Saturday in April. Yep. And, um, uh, but opener all the way up until, you know, the mayfly hatch fishing really shallow water. I saw a guy, um, a, a number of years, the same guy that's out there and he throws a hair jig shallow and he catches a ton of smallmouth and he catches a lot of walleyes. And when I say shallow, we're talking like three to five feet of water. Yep. And, um, you know, um, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try that this year because I know it'll work. I mean, he does it every year and he has really good success. And I think those walleyes are moving up in the, in the shallow water one, because it's probably warmer. Um, and, uh, there's, you know, there's probably things hatching. It might be the wigglers are, you know, or it might be that that's where the bait fish are. Or, um, but, uh, I, I don't know. There's one thing that I don't know on Lake Lilo and all that I can't kn- I forget the article that I read when we were talking about, you know, the amount of fish that they have dumped into that, that ecosystem there, but if they're naturally reproducing or not. Oh, I think they're naturally reproducing. You think so? I think that's why they've gotten tougher to catch too. I think stocked fish are easy to catch. Um, they're very aggressive. They tend to live on the weeds. Uh, you fish other lakes where there's a lot of stockings, uh, stock fish. Um, there's a couple other lakes that I fish that are like that. And the fish are so aggressive. When I first started fishing Leland on 2008, there were quite a few times I would go out there. I mean, I mean, this sounds like a fish story, but you'd catch a hundred walleyes in a day. Wow. Well, about 30 of them would be legal, but I don't care. I mean, you had 70 other bites and you caught a bunch of 14 inches, you know, um, those same number of fish are in there, but I think, now you don't have them relating the same way that they did to the weeds. I think when you read other things about stocked fish, they tend to, um, after they become more naturally reproducing, 
they, they think differently. And, um, I think they become smarter. I mean, I know it's funny to say these are, these are, you know, there's another brains didn't get bigger, but, um, they just have a different way of interacting with, uh, the ecosystem. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you because there's gotta be moving water too, for those, those walleye to reproduce. They always say a lot of the time, yep. and there's a lot of str- little streams, there's little rivers and things like that. And creeks like that flowing into Lake Leland on both sides that, you know, if, again, if you're looking at a map and guys and gals who are going out there to, to dissect the body of water, um, you got to look at those little lakes and creeks and things like that, that are flowing into, um, the bigger bodies of water and kind of target those areas. Cause that's bringing in a lot of warm water and it's bringing in a lot of nutrients down from inland into the lake that a lot of those fish are kind of seeking not only during spawn time, but also during times when, uh, you know, they're trying to put on the feedback. You know, another thing that um, is is a very interesting topic is that I don't fish much at night. In fact, I very rarely fish after dark. I know a lot of guys do on Lake uh, And I do think there's times when that lake becomes maybe a, a bit more of a nocturnal fishery than a, a daytime fishery. And I think you can still catch them during the day. But I think, um, I, I wonder, I wonder if, you know, there might be even a better bite at night. Um, I typically don't go out at night as much as because you know it's it's not as uh conducive i mean you can't see what you're doing as well i mean um but um that's just uh, one of my ponderings there's a lot of things that i kind of think about and you know i don't have a lot of people that i process stuff with uh um so i just i kind of just kind of wonder you know at times i wonder if uh um there's all kinds of questions i have about that lake you know and um, but I will tell you, like I, I have a number of experiences that have, you know, when you put all those experiences together, it definitely helps you to kind of put some kind of program together, more or less, that at least gives you a good starting point, and then you have to kind of get more fine tuned um, beyond that. You mentioned earlier that you don't troll. Is there a specific reason why you don't? I'm just curious. I just don't enjoy it. Right. I mean. I don't enjoy it. And I, I, even the boat that I had, um, uh, I bought last year that I had, um, built for me. I didn't even put, um, I don't even have rod holders on it. Yeah. I see that you got the Skeeter Sentinel console there, right? Yeah. I really like the Skeeter SX 2250. Um, I bought it because I needed the space for people, honestly, legally in the state of New York. I, I was only allowed to have three people on my boat when I, on my older, uh, on my Triton, which I really like my Triton. But, um, I find that a lot of times when people go out on a guided trip, they want their whole family to be there. So I'm allowed to have more people legally now on, in New York. And I like the, I just, I've really enjoyed it from, uh, for inland walleyes too. I just, uh, it's a great fishing platform. Um, but, uh, that was a rabbit trail. I'm sorry. We were talking. No, about- no, I, I wanted to know about that. Cause you said you were running the Triton before and oh. I see that you did upgrade to the, to the center council. How, I mean, that was another question that I had was how was that been, um, between the two, you know, going from, you know, your more traditional fishing boat to that, that center council, uh, Skeeter. Well, the Skeeter still sits pretty low in the water. It's not really getting blown. I still jig out of it. So I've got, it's got, I've got a lot of control on that boat. Um, it, uh, it's, it's got a ton of storage room. One of the things I love about it is it's all fiberglass. And so I have so many people on my boat that instead of the carpeting, just getting trashed, I have 
one of the add-on features that I paid for was a, a wash-down system. So I can spray the boat down. I can scrub it down. Every day it's, it, look, it looks brand new. Um, uh, you know, I love the Yamaha the 250 SHO. I mean, those, that's just a bulletproof motor. I have talons on it as well. And I, I would share this with you. The talons are a huge part of my walleye fishing. Most guys that fish, use talons are bass fishermen. But I can't tell you how many times – I, every time I catch a fish or one of my clients catches a fish, I talon down and I almost always catch two more, four more. I find fish potted up in three, five, seven, nine. Um, you know, I watch all these other guys fish in areas and um, they might hit a fish. And by the time they get that fish uh, landed and uh, the lure popped out and the fish is either in the live well or let, they let it go, they've already covered so much water. Um, but if I hit a fish, I talon down or like even this last year, um, I had a really cool experience. We were out fishing and the way we were presenting our baits, we had to slow things down quite a bit. And I noticed that a lot of the guys that were fishing were fishing way too fast. So what would happen is I would use my trolling motor to slow us down. I had the boat, uh, the trolling motor pointed into the wind and I would just, I would just kind of, I had it on, um, at a constant speed, just to kind of almost like a, a drift sock in a sense. Yep. But I wanted to be more, I didn't want to be just drifting. I wanted to be very controlled about where I was at. And I noticed that when we slowed it down and we had more time, um, we caught more fish. And, um, I mean, it was like, this is how radical it was. It was like, we caught 20 fish and I saw two other fish caught in the area. And so there were tons of fish there. They just, people were fishing way too fast through them. Um, and so those kinds of experiences like go in the back of my mind and they, they just kind of wedge in there and they say, okay, this was what happened last year. It, you know, consider this again, one of the first bites we got this year. And I struggled on uh, one of the trips. I've had this amazing client and his son come out with me and they, they hired me twice or three times a year. We have a great time together, but we went and fished all over that lake and we didn't find fish. And, uh, I was kind of like, uh Oh, and so we wandered onto a spot and he got a he got a wind uh, knot in his line when he was throwing with um, braid, and he was getting that undone. And that's how long that bait he was using was sitting, and he got popped. Ah, <laughs> and so I was like, slow it way down. We've got to have way more pause in what we're doing. Right. And um, anyway, I, I could go on and on, but there's there's just so many of those unique examples of things that I just like wow, this is pretty cool. You know, how does that boat do? And have you taken it on like the bays in like, like Michigan or anything like that on the bigger water or no? Not yet. Not I yet. want, it's amazing. You know, you, you know, with all the things that we have going on as a family and just with, with the guide business and with, with, um, with ministry stuff, I just have, there's a lot of things I haven't done with it yet. I've used it on even smaller lakes than Leelanau and I've had great experiences with it. Um, I want to take it on the West Bay and East Bay. I want to, I want to fish lake trout out there this spring and even smallmouth. Um, and, uh, I'm hoping maybe with, you know, lit, you know, having a place up, up there now that might give us a little bit more freedom because when you're up there and you kind of have to stay somewhere and you know, you're always in a hurry, you got to get back home or whatever. Right. Or, it's just, it's just so much nicer just to be able to leave the boat up there and, you know, just take, just drive up, hook up and, and go to the launch. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but, uh, it was pretty, pretty exciting to think about. And, and obviously I, I think it would do great on uh, on the bays. I mean, it's made for saltwater, so a lot of times, 
you know, it's, it's kind of an inland or uh, a nearshore boat, but a, a lot of guys, it's got a 53-gallon tank, so guys could take it offshore pretty easily. Yeah, um, and it's fiberglass, so I think you could blow through those waves pretty good. And- yeah, it's it's a heavier boat, too, so it rides a lot softer than even my Triton. It doesn't pound you as much, and uh, my wife loves it for that reason. We, You know, the it's a much softer ride, and um, I think part of that is my philosophy, too, is I wanted... I really wanted to have as many of my clients in a seat as possible when we're running. Um, it's just easier on the body and uh, safer too. No, I hear you. That's what I mean. I, it's interesting that you see, you know, companies like Skeeter and Ranger and things like that. They're starting to get into that market of those, those, uh, those center council offshore boats a little bit, kind of. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's interesting to see how the the industry changes and how more and more folks are going towards that. But, um, hey, so leave us with one more thing. What's one goal that you have this year um, as an angler for 2020? You know what, honestly, what I want to do this year is I want to take my kids fishing more. Okay. Um, I had 107 guide trips last year, and uh, I felt like I fished a lot. And took a lot of other people fishing and, uh, you know, we're at a point where, you know, we have some goals that we're trying to help our kids with college and weddings and things like that, which is great. But I definitely want the, my kids to be the priority, um, over other people. Um, so I know there's still going to be some challenges with that because I, um, you know, I just, I enjoy taking people out and, and, uh, I, I like the idea of having, you know, I enjoy this business. I, I like, I like pretty much every aspect of, uh, of what I do in the fishing world. I like representing the companies I work with and, uh, I enjoy teaching people. If, I mean, I've had such an amazing experience with the people on our boat. I mean, people ask me all the time, do you get a lot of people that you can't stand being around? Very, very, very infrequently. In fact, I don't even know if I could even remember a trip that I was like, I can't wait till this is over. Cause a lot of times people soften up when, when they're on the water and, um, you know, and if they're having some good experiences, the main thing that I find is that people, you know, if they're out there to learn, we're going to have a great time. If they just think they already know everything, well, why'd you hire a guide? Right. <laughs> why do you just run a boat? <laughs> you know, so my son, he, he's, yeah, he's, he's just like this. Like if he's, he, I, 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 we've, we've talked about it and he's super gracious. He'll show people and he'll show them and he's always like trying to help them. But like, if they don't really want his help, I said, just catch fish, make them hungry for the information that you have. And after you start pounding fish, which happens all, almost all the time, I mean, they'll be like, what are you doing? And you can say, well, I'm doing what I I showed you to do. Um, there's something I can do to kind of dial you in on that. I want to do that. Um, so, and he's been real gracious about it and he's, um, he's done a great job with that. So that, so that's my goal really for 2020. I want to, I want to take my kids fishing more. I just want to be able to do some of that more where I don't have to feel driven just to take and build this business. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Oh man, I think that's, uh, that's, it's good to slow down. And like you said, uh, you know, take your, take your kids out more. Those are the most important clients that you're going to have in your boat anyways. Right. Right. I mean, these days, (laughs) my old, my oldest daughter's getting married in May. Um, it's crazy how fast life goes by. And, um, I'm, I remember I took her fishing many times. She's an amazing fisherman. She won't really let you know that she is, but she does what she is kind of like what she's instructed to do. And she catches fish. I mean, 
I have just great memories of her catching these massive walleyes on Lake Leland on jigging. And, you know, uh, every time she'd get a hit, she'd scream, you know, it's like, (laughs) well, that's cool, man. Well, it sounds like you got a busy 2020 this year and, uh, where can folks find out more about you or your website that they can go check you out? Yeah. Um, I rebranded my business last year. Um, we went from no fish left behind to freshwater therapy. And part of the reason for that is because our goal was never to destroy a a fishing resource. We, the no fish left behind was always just to be kind of connected with the no child left behind. And you know, all of those kinds of just, it was just basically a way of kind of memory for people to be able to kind of connect what my website with, you know, the no child left behind thing, no man left behind. Um, and so we did freshwater therapy because we really believe that time on the water is very therapeutic and it's a, you know, there's a lot of healing kind of that comes just from being on the water and just getting refreshed and restored by, um, um, by like fishing and, and just the beauty of creation. And so, um, anyone who's fishes will not argue with that at all. <laughs> so freshwaterTherapy.com is the name of my, uh, is my website. If you go there, I almost, I have tons of information I put on there about, um, uh, what I'm learning and I'm trying to answer people's questions. I try to think of the questions that people have. So I'm writing a lot. We're going to try to do more video. That was one of the other goals that I'd really like to do. I've been saying this, I've got all this video stuff and I don't take the time to do any video. I'm always in a hurry to fish. I don't want to set this stuff up, but I really think there's a lot of value in video and, and teaching and, um, and using that as a form, a way of promoting the stuff that I use as well. I, I value the companies I work with. I want to serve them. That's been our mindset. They're they're a valuable part of what we do, and uh, we really look at it like we're in a partnership together. You know, I want them to feel very blessed. Like I feel blessed to have have them helping us the way they do. So, yeah, and your website's well laid out, and folks can find everything that he just mentioned, like uh, his sponsors on there, what he's using, and all that kind of stuff. Very easy to navigate. So the the website's Thanks. awesome. Thank you. All right, man. Well, hey, happy uh, new year. And uh, thanks for coming on the podcast and doing this with me. Lee, if you ever want to do it again, I would be game. All right, man. Yeah, we'll have to check in about some of those tactics and our theories of South Lake Leland as it continues to rack our brain. Sounds good. If you've got another second after you're done off the air, we could chat another minute. I don't know what you got going on. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Joe Testa and I. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's those kind of conversations that you have with folks who fish the same body of waters that you do you can learn a lot from what's been working for them um you know share your ideas as well and you know that's how us as anglers become way more successful and learn a thing or two on on ways or techniques that we might not have thought of in the past and uh how to dissect and break down those bodies of water so i want to thank joe for coming on the podcast make sure you go check him out over at freshwatertherapy.com check out what he has going on he's got a great website and be you know feel free to message him if you have any questions or uh uh you know topics that you want to talk about with him in regards to our conversation we just had but in the meantime folks thanks for listening want to thank uh thank you again for submitting all your topics for the giveaway congratulations to terry and uh, come right back here, guys, for more great content coming up here in the near future. And as always, thanks for listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. 
From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.